Well, hey there, this is Keith. Listen, before we start the episode today, I just wanted to take a moment and speak directly to anyone who might be listening who's still in the closet. Well, the first thing I want to tell you is that's perfectly okay. Do what is best for you when it is best. Never let anyone else pressure you in this decision. But let's say that you are thinking about coming out, or there's a part of you that really does want to come out, but you want to do so very carefully, very slowly, very strategically, and even very selectively. Well, if that's you, my friend, I've got you covered. I want you to go to the show notes and use a link there to check out my Selective Outage Method digital course. I think you're going to be surprised, and I believe it'll help you as you plan your coming out. All right, let's get on with the podcast. Hello, and welcome to Coffee with Keith. I'm Keith Brown, and I'm so glad that you could join me for this podcast, where my passion in life is to help my LGBTQIA plus Christian family heal their church trauma, and hopefully construct genuine faith. Before we begin, let me just tell you a little bit about me. For the last 30 plus years, I've had the joy of teaching, speaking, and performing as a comedy magician in my in-person events all over the United States. I'm also the published author of fiction and nonfiction books, and one of the greatest joys I've had in life is pastoral counseling, coaching, and mentoring hundreds and hundreds of people over the last 30 plus years. I'm proud of all those things, but can I also tell you, I know what it's like to hurt, and I know what it's like to suffer deep church trauma, specifically around sexual identity, as so many of you obviously have as well. So if that's something that you can buy into and you would like to partner with me as we try to help each other in this journey thing we call life, then you're in the right place. I encourage you to grab a cup of coffee, sit at my table, and let's have a chat. One disclaimer though, please. I am not a medical professional, nor am I a licensed therapist. So if you need either of those services, please do consult a local professional. Otherwise, let's get it started here on Coffee with Keith. Hello, my friend, and welcome to Bible Talks. I'm so glad you could join me for this continued discussion. We are, as you may or may not know, hopefully you've been paying attention to Bible Talks and been catching them recently, but we have been working our way through the book of Acts. And why do I do that? Well, let me just quickly say again while I am why I am doing that uh, journey. For me, when it comes to the Scriptures, I believe that the one word that is critical for us to remember and practice when we go to the scriptures is the word context, context. And for me personally, I believe that one of the best ways that we can do that is by taking a book and diving into it and going through it step by step, chapter by chapter. Now, I might veer off in the next little while um, in our Bible talks as the seasons, the holiday seasons are approaching. I may decide to do something, say, for instance, around the Christmas season, a little bit different. So bear with me. Um, don't be surprised if that happens, or it may not. I may just continue to travel through the book of Acts. We'll just have to wait and see. But today we are continuing our journey. And today we are back in the book of Acts chapter 8. Now, contextually, let's just make sure we understand what has happened. Philip has gone into to Samaria. He has preached the gospel. People have heard um, 
his messages. They have heard about Jesus. They have heard about his love, his power. They have seen his power manifested in in great ways through healing and other miracles that took place. You remember there was even some demonic stuff that was going on, um, kind of fun stuff to play with there theologically. But it's on the heels of that. And you remember there also was a gentleman by the name of Simon. And Simon was, for better word, a sorcerer who practiced uh, probably some form of magic, maybe some um, white, black magic, who knows? There's probably also some trickery, um, which are which might be sleight of hand. Um, so we really don't know all the details, but we know that Simon was able through his skills to begin to fool people and influence them that he had some of this magnificent power. And when Philip came into the area and began doing these things in the name of Christ and then the, the power of God, and Simon began to see what was taking place and hearing the message that was accompanying that message, remember that Simon was one of those that believed and began to follow. And so it is on the heels of that context that we now find ourselves in the next section of this book of Acts chapter 8. Because what has happened is Peter and John have heard in Jerusalem about what's going on here. And they have decided that they need to go because these Christians had not yet received the Holy Spirit. Now, we're going to talk about this in just a few moments. So they went, and and when they went, they saw that um, uh, they would come and they would lay hands on people, and all of a sudden there would be this reception of the Holy Spirit of God. And Simon saw this. And he went, whoa, this is pretty cool, right? And man, this is pretty special. I want that. I want to be able to do that. So Simon says, you know, give me that power. Let me do that. And, you know, how much would I need to pay you to give me that authority, right? And of course, they rebuked him and said, look, you know, your heart is not right. This is not the way this works. This is not something that you can buy. This is a gift from God. This is a calling on life, etc. And of course, Simon wasn't happy. And he was told that he needed to pray that his heart might be convicted and his heart might be changed. And Simon then says, well, let's tell you what, you pray for me. You pray that all this stuff, this bad won't happen to me. And so that is where we conclude our section of scripture this week. But there's some theological things that I want to just mention here that when it comes to Orthodox theology that you might want to think about as you are um, dealing with your faith. And maybe some of you are trying to build your faith or you're trying to you know, construct your faith the way that makes sense to you. Because I deal with people all the time that are struggling with faith issues and they're trying to work out faith issues and they're trying to establish what they truly believe. So I think it's often helpful for us to understand some of these theological questions and tackle them for ourselves. So in this particular section of scripture, there are some that we want to mention. First of all, let me mention a grammatical part of scripture here. When the text here is referring to the Holy Spirit, the pronoun he is used. 
Now let's put aside for just a moment the um, the situation that some people have about the masculinity throughout the Bible, the hierarchical, patriarchal society, and how that influences Scripture. Okay, now we know that argument exists, and we know that people um, have different feelings on that. So I, I'm not concentrating on the masculinity of the pronoun. I'm just concentrating on the human aspect of the pronoun. And why is that important? Because you may call the Holy Spirit he, she, or they, whatever, you know, your belief system or whatever vernacular pronouns you choose to use for God or great power is. But here's the thing that is, in, is something key to understand. In this, the fact that there is the use of the human pronoun is one of the evidences that conservative scholars especially have used historically, and the church and the early fathers have used historically to proclaim the Trinity of God. Remember that the Trinity is not a word that appears in Scripture. It's not a direct teaching that you will hear in Scripture. It can be implied for sure. And here is one of the examples of the Trinity, the spirit aspect, being addressed as a human pronoun. So another way of saying this, you might say the Holy Spirit is he, she, or they, but would never be an it. So theologically speaking, if you're building your theology and your faith and you're understanding your faith, then maybe one of the questions you would understand to or want to undertake is who is the Holy Spirit and what role does the Holy Spirit have? And so in this respect, again, there's an example, grammatically speaking, and this is evidence in the Greek, by the way, that there is a human aspect of the Holy Spirit, which would bring us to, if you want to follow a Christian orthodoxy, a more historic orthodoxy, that would give some credence to the Trinity, the human personhood of the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Again, uh, not the not concentrate of the masculine aspect, that's for another day, but the fact that it's the human aspect. So I think that's a key grammatical moment that we need to just understand is existence. So this would be one of the proofs that scholars might give to signify the human aspect, personhood of the Holy Spirit. So there's another theological argument or another theological question, and it, it does become an argument because it's often debated that we see evidence in this particular text, and that is the reception of the Holy Spirit. So once you understand who the Holy Spirit is for you in your faith and what role the Holy Spirit has then you must decide or think about how does one receive the Holy Spirit and when does one receive the Holy Spirit? For here in this text, you will see that these people heard about Jesus. They accepted the message that was proclaimed. There was even baptisms done in the name of Christ. And yet the scripture here clearly says that Peter and John in Jerusalem, heard that this has happened, and realizing that they had not yet received the Holy Spirit, decided that they must go so they could lay hands on these people and they could receive. 
All right. So here's the, the situation. When does a person receive? If, if you believe the Holy Spirit is the third part of the Trinity, and, and, and for those of us who hold a more orthodox theology, we would, then when does a person receive the Holy Spirit? And that leads also to some, the Pentecostals, for instance, who believe that there is reception of the Holy Spirit, initial receiving, and then there is a baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is a latter part. And that is a more empowering reception of the Holy Spirit. So the indwelling is there from the beginning, but then the baptism with evidence of um, some supernatural way, for instance, speaking of tongues, is often used. Um, there is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So again, that is a nuanced debate in itself. Let's go back to the original question. When do you believe that you receive the Holy Spirit? Is it at your conversion? Is it at your baptism? Or in this case, was it at the laying hands of a representative of the church? Here, Peter and John, the apostles. It's an interesting question because the way you answer that, the way you hold your faith, is important to how you feel about your relationship with God. Your understanding of the holy spirit's work and reception into your heart and life and the power therein and then we might want to ask ourselves does another person have to be involved in my receiving of the holy spirit i mean after all can i not just pray to god and ask god and god then sends the spirit to come live within me and let me just tell you, there are many, many, many Christians that believe that the absolute truth, they believe that, that is absolutely true. Yes, that can happen. There are, again, some who believe that the presence, the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit happens at a subsequent time. So, my dear friend, let me ask you, what do you believe about the Holy Spirit? And how do you then answer and relate to this text? Now, you might say that, well, you know, for us today, the Holy Spirit comes immediately upon our conversion. We receive it and we receive the complete power and presence of the Holy Spirit. And what we are under today is different than what was taking place at that time. And that argument has been made and can be made. Others will say, well, that doesn't make any sense because if Christ, if, if, if God did things this way at this time, and this is the way it was done, then what makes us think that suddenly it would change? And again, there are people who think that way. So I just bring this theological argument up or this theological quandary because I want you to think about it, because that's when your faith becomes real. When you think about these issues that don't have a really quick and easy answer, that's when we have to dig deep. That's when we have to go deeper in our faith. That's when we have to begin to build things that are important. All right. So I just wanted to throw that out as a little bit of a theological question. So let's get more into the application today. Well, if you remember from this text, and I did not read it, I do encourage you to go back and read this whole chapter 8, and especially this part that we're talking about. 
But I said that in it, you will find that Simon saw what was going on. Remember this sorcerer, this man who had people at the, you know, at, at its fingertips for a long time, suddenly sees what's going on when the laying out of hands of Peter and John. And he wants that power. He wants that ability. And he is willing to pay for it just to get it. How we know that he's rebuked for this. We know that you know that his heart was not right here. It's very clear in the scriptures that that's the case. But it makes me wonder sometimes if we who are Christian ever get that way with the faith. Another way of saying it is maybe is there ever a time when we are being lazy Christians? We want people to feed us what the Bible teaches. We want people to perform for us in song, to tickle our ears and stir our spirits. We want people to pray for us in a gathered body of believers. And sometimes I have to ask, what are we doing with our faith? Are we growing? Are we learning? Are we trying to educate ourselves when it comes to the things of the book? Are we praying? Are we doing that for ourselves? And yeah, I know that some of you can't carry a tune in a bucket. I get it. Does that mean that you can't find ways to praise God for yourself? There's one other thing that that I have to think about as I as I reflect on this story. And it's the jealousy that Simon had for their power, their ability, their gift. And I want to be careful here because it's not a power thing for these apostles. It's not something that they flaunted. It's not something that they did to puff themselves up and to show how special they were. It was something that they were gifted with by God. It was a calling on their life. It was a job that they were given. It was a responsibility that they had. And they were simply fulfilling and using their gifts. It reminds me in this way. We all in the body of, of the church, all in the body of Christ, have different gifts, different callings, different purposes, Different ways that we can be used to point people to Jesus, to show them his love, show them who he is, to teach them about him. We should never be jealous of someone else's ability or gifts. And I know that I sometimes have pastors that listen to this or watch this that also means brother, sister, pastor that we should never be jealous of somebody else's success church's growth we are to be faithful with God God calls us to do how God calls us to do it be faithful in that. 
and we will be truly blessed. Okay, that's all I wanted to talk about from this time. Don't forget to struggle over that theology a little bit. Ask yourself again that question, what do I believe about the Holy Spirit, and when does the Holy Spirit reside? When do we receive the Holy Spirit, okay? That's one of those theological pillars that I would encourage you to think about. Until next time, my friend, thank you again for listening or watching, whatever the case may be, depending on where you catch this. And until next time, heal those herbs, move those mountains, and may God truly bless you. Bye-bye, my friend. Well, there you go, my friend, this episode of Coffee with Keith. Thank you, thank you, thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening. Now, please stick around. One more announcement I want to give you. God bless you. See you next time.